it's about the people, and it's about the passion for a never-ending pursuit of progress. It's about falling in love with trying to be a better version of yourself. It's about commitment to that goal and perseverance through whatever gets thrown in your way. I think that everyone has their own personal 400 kilos. There's a beauty and an art in challenging your boundaries. Hello humans, welcome to the M-Word, the Manx Book Podcast brought to you by Martin, that's me. And Matt. That's him over there. Hello, Matthew. Back to Matthew, Matthew. again. Oh, it is Matthew again, yeah, sorry, yeah, Matt, Matthew, yeah. How are you? Yeah, yeah, good, thanks, yourself? Good, yep. Joined on the line by Max. Max, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for asking me to come on. No, pleasure. Uh, I say this at the start of every podcast, which is there's loads to dig into, but there certainly is here from the kind of bio bits we had before. I actually find it amazing that, I mean, I've not come across you before, come across your name before, until someone suggests a speech here, and then you kind of get your CV and you think, well, you know about these people, but again, I think that's maybe not speak for Matt, but again, a motivation for for chatting and, and digging in and, and realizing that, that the sports depth on the Alaman is just unbelievable. Yeah, so, yeah uh, absolutely. So before we dig in, uh, just like to thank, well, thank, yeah, thank billboards.im, and I would say every, every week, uh, but they're our sponsors. They've been good to us. Uh, I know they're doing a lot of work in, in lockdown. They're trying to help a lot of businesses as well to, to continue to get their name and their brand out there in a difficult time. So I appreciate the help from those guys down there. So that's billboards.im, the future of advertising. Go and check those guys out, reach out to them. Uh, they'll help with that and or other projects. Just just reach out. They've got such a, a wide uh, network on the Isle of Man that they can help you with anything you need. Uh, intro there with a clip from a powerlifting documentary that uh, will be very relevant as we dig into Max's story. So first of all, as we ask all our, all our guests, are you come over? Manx, 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 or Manx as the hills? Yes, sir. I'm a Manx. I was born here, um, okay. but my parents, um, my dad's from Manchester and my mum's from like the Cheshire area. Okay. Um, but I've lived here all my life and uh, love it. That's quite, uh, that's weird. I suppose my parents are like that as well. well very, as in area-wise, one's from just around Oldham area in Manchester and the other one's in Cheshire as well. So yeah, oh, right. my dad's I think from a lot Presswich. migrate over from there. Presswich, is that the way you call it? Presswich, does that ring a bell? Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so you're born here. Whereabouts on the Isle of Man did you did you grow up? I'm a I'm an up north. I'm a Ramsey boy. Um, okay. I lived in Ramsey all my life until I went to university, which I'm sure we'll chat about later. So yeah, I lived my life on the northern plains. And, and the schooling up there was uh, Ramsey Grammar, I assume. And Ramsey Grammar, uh, yeah. Um, Albert Road. Before that, you know, all the lo- doesn't exist anymore. It's been knocked down. Um, mm. So yeah, Ramsey boy through and through. And, and sport at that early stage, was that part of life at, in early stage? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as a kid, I played every sport going. I particularly wasn't very good at any of them. <laughs> um, but, you know, all my, it's all my mates, they all played sports. And that's the reason why I got involved, because I just wanted to do what they were doing. Right. Um, and they're still my mates today. And, you know, and I thank them for that because it's, you know, it's, it's kind of set me up for where I am now. So it might be running, it might be a bit of footy, it might be a bit of rugby. Football, rugby, cricket, golf. Uh, awful at golf. I don't know why I even stuck at that for how long. I stuck at it for about two years, but it was terrible. Um, but just because my mates played it, I played it. Um, and I, I was just outdoorsy. Just spent all my time outdoors as a kid. Um, what, uh, what, what age are you now, just to provide us some context to timeline? Just turned 30. Right, okay. okay. And were your parents sporty at all? No, absolutely nothing. Um, well, my dad's a, he's a couch football fan. Um, oh, yeah, but, um, my mum and dad didn't do any sport. Um, neither of my brothers did any sport either. Um, oh. I'm the only one that's kind of, and still to this day, it's the only one that's really kind of got a sporting background. Um, and as I said before, that's completely due to my mates, I think. Right. And um, being, being active and active and about. Yeah. 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 So, uh, I presume again at that that earlier age in those teenage years, that was just about, I suppose, participation for you. Yeah, hanging I mean, out with your mates. I mean, it, I think if anyone was rubbish as me at those sports, they wouldn't have played them. <laughs> um, but because my mates did it, 
uh, I did it, and I, I joined the local sports clubs as well because they all did it. Right. Um, so yeah, I played for Ramsey Football Club back in the day. Um, what do you do with a guy who's completely unfit and four inches taller than everyone else? You stick him in goal. Yeah. So I was, so I was gonna I was gonna ask because I mean the politically correct term I guess nowadays is you're you're a big lad. Uh, obviously, <laughs> yeah. that, we'll come through to partly why that's the case. But back then in your teenage years, were you you mentioned you were taller? Were you broader? Yeah. Were you just developing quicker than everyone else? I don't know. I, I was definitely taller, good three, four inches taller than everyone else, I'd mm. say. Um, but I was quite lanky, quite skinny. Um, and then as I got older and I hit puberty and everything, I started to bulk out a little bit. Um, yeah. And it kind of just overtook all my friends in that size. And I was always, I've always been the big guy wherever I go. And you're six, 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 seven. Six, seven. Jeez. Never played basketball, no? It's probably Can't jump. Oh, right. Can't jump. You no, don't hamstring. need to. <laughs> 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 don't get in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, never played basketball. Um, but I've heard that a few times. People ask me, do you play basketball? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Joke. So, uh, as you then sort of went through your teenage years, did you start then having a focus on a particular sport? Did you kind of get to? Uh, so, I, between the age of about 13 and 16, it was just all football. Um, played a bit of rugby for Ramsey Rugby Club at an earlier age than that. But um, as I moved into the late years of school, I think the teachers there kind of saw, you know, mm. in year 10, year 11, I was much bigger than everyone else. And they kind of said, listen, you, sh you should be getting playing rugby here. And I was like, oh, you know, I, I, I do like rugby, but at that age, and the, but I wasn't massively setting it, but I thought, okay, I'll give it a go. And because at that, at that standard and that age, it is about all being big. Yeah. I think there's not as much skill in rugby at that age. So the big guys always come off well. Right, yeah, yeah. And then uh, I, I ran the grammar school when we did the rugby season. Um, we used to have people from Ramsey Rugby Club. They'd come and do the coaching as well, help join the game lessons. And uh, they they rubbed off me quite a lot. They were I was quite like looking up to them. They said, oh, by the way, we do these. You should come down to the club and have a go. And yeah, right. I did, and, and it was great. Yeah, cause when, you, when you say that about the schools, I remember um, – Especially Castle Rushing taking the trip up or something like that. It was always you knew, you knew uh, to watch out for for Max. Uh, oh, right. It was always you know he's he's going to come crashing to you. But I, I could hide behind me um, the forwards and just push them in your way, sort of thing. But yeah, it was that. It was um, always a name for us coming up. So so would you be again? I've laughed on this podcast before about my lack of knowledge of rugby. Would you be a forward then in that front front yeah. line? I guess the technology. So. I played a position called second row or lock all my life. Okay. Um, the engine room, they call it. Basically, you do all the hard work, you do all the graft, and get none of the glory. Okay, right. So, uh, yeah. But I mean, that's, and people who play those positions are, are tall. That's what you need to be. Okay. Um, so I fit the bill quite well. And I've, I've played there ever since. Why the tall? What's that relevant to the game? Uh, I think it's, you know, when the line outs. Yeah. So when you get lifted, you're taller than everyone else, but I was always too heavy to be lifted by, so I never got, I did the lifting. Oh, right. So I think the main, you know, the, the main reason why you'd be uh, a second row is to be lifted, but I didn't get lifted, but I was just tall, so I thought, oh, I'll just stick you there anyway. Throw them in there. And I know, I know you mentioned you then, kind of around the 16, age of 16, 17, you started going to the gym more and doing gym stuff. What kind yeah. of attracted you to start doing that? Just because my mates did it, um, and I had no plan no idea really what I was doing. I just knew I'd just go to the gym, lift any weight. It, it was always the heaviest weight you could find. I'm going to lift that. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, it's not, uh, I wouldn't say it's a training technique that people push nowadays. Just go in and just lift whatever you can for as many times as you can. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it just, and then I've said all the rugby people, obviously at the rugby club, they're all big. And I was like, well, if I want to play rugby, I need to bulk up a little bit. Yeah. So that was part of that driver of going to the gym was to bulk out for the rugby. Yeah. Yeah. And to get girls. Oh, right. Right. 16. That's all you want to do. <laughs> um, um, sorry. Um, would you have said then we really competitive or driven in that sort of sense for your sport? Because I'm just picking up on most of the signs and they saying you're social or even just doing that. Oh, what a, kind of I'll just see a heavyweight, I lift it. It's not I want to beat the others or I wanna make sure I win. It's very much I'm guessing at that time and period of your life then it was more just be enjoying it rather than having that drip like competitive side to it. Yeah, I agree. Um it wasn't 
I think it wasn't competitive because it was more just I turned up and I think if you go to the gym, you just lift the biggest weight you can find. That's just what, that's just the knowledge you have. You know, very limited knowledge at 16, 17 about gym. So I just, it wasn't a competitive element. Although yeah. we did used to have little competitions with your mates, about, as you can do, as you do. Yeah. I'd imagine no one probably had a competition with you. So were you academic, academically, was that, that, you know, you still focused on schoolwork? Was that an interest to you? Yeah, I mean, I'd say I'm quite, I'm quite an academic guy. I, um, I like to learn. Um, I like to learn about things which, you know, have no relevance to my life. But I think uh, I really do enjoy learning. And I did enjoy school. Right. Um, and I, I left with, you know, decent GCSEs, decent A-levels. Um, went to uni, I assume. Went to uni, yeah. Yeah. So um, that was in Lanca Lancaster? Lancaster. Lancaster. Yeah, okay. And what did um, you go and study there? I did marketing. Okay. And uh, uh, I, I actually signed up to do economics. And then I went to the first lecture and, you know, I, know I, I, do, I, am, I am academic and I do like to learn, but I was like, okay, this is too much. Okay. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, marketing sounds a bit more friendly. <laughs> um, you know, just sell stuff to old people. That's just marketing, isn't it? <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, signed up to do that course. And, you know, to me, I did, I, I, I got a degree at the end of it, which was great, but it was, it was a social aspect, which I also really enjoyed at uni. Oh, right. Was there a, a reason behind Lancaster at all? Easy to get home. <laughs> it's a 10-minute trip to Haitian. <laughs> um, oh, I say I can't talk. I did exactly the same. I was Liverpool for, for that, for exactly the same reason. Easy. Yeah. I had a few friends that had gone to Lancaster, so I kind of knew the ins and outs of it. And I liked the idea that it was, um, it was a campus uni, so everything was in one place. Right. And so I had to travel around. Yeah. And did you... Uh... Assume you joined the local, or the, I don't know, the uni have rugby club today, or the local rugby club? Yeah, so joined the rugby club, signed up on the Ad Freshers Week, and then that was it. Like, uh, all my friends from university are all in the rugby club. Like, it was quite clicky, which is it's quite bad in a way, because you go to university to meet new people and stuff. But we kind of hung around by ourselves, and we had a bit of a reputation on, at the uni, as rugby clubs do. Um, we were probably more of a a drinking club who played rugby as a hobby. Okay, right. Um, as you know, some uni clubs, as I say, as some rugby uni clubs do, but uh, it was great. Like, we were actually a really good side considering we didn't focus on it too much. Yeah, okay. Um, we had, you know, we had ex-academy players, ex-Sale, ex-Leicester Tigers academy players, um, you know, and we won, we won our league without really focusing on it too much. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, we had a lot of potential. Mm -hmm. Well, I was going to say, yeah, was that through, was that through the, the, the talent of the, the people there, the team? Yeah, 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 definitely. Hard, I guess. It wasn't through hard work and training at, at UD. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was, play, I was actually playing for Ramsey Rugby Club at the same time. I was at uni, so I'd be flying back every other weekend to play. Oh, or right. they're in the English league, so I'd go and meet them and right. uh, play. And still gymming it during this? Yeah, still gymming it. Um, that's when it started to get a bit competitive because, uh, you know, group of lads who are, you know, quite social chaps. They like to uh, push themselves. And yeah. I think the terms of dick swinging competition. Oh, right. Okay. Right. And was that, that rugby, were they just rugby lads or were there some other gym lads, just, just gym lads or a bit of everything? Um, as in the people who I, in the rugby club, did they go to the gym as well? Uh, yeah, so yeah, in your gym environment was that sort of competitions between other other rugby within your rugby. Sort yeah, of yeah, friends? it was just like a social thing. Like the going to the gym was more social, but I I probably took it more seriously than anyone else. Right. Um, because you know I I think a lot of people came to university and, and played rugby and then they kind of went to started going to the gym because you do get a lot of free time at uni. Um, there's not lectures and seminars all the time. You do have a lot. Would have been of free if you'd done economics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have lasted if I'd done economics. Um, but I, I, they kind of looked to me as a, one of the more knowledgeable ones in the gym because I had a bit of experience back at home. Yeah. Right. Um, so I kind of blagged it really. Right. So, um, so uni finishes, you come back to the island. Yeah, uni finished, came back to the island, um, still playing for Ramsey Rugby Club. And then um, I got a job uh, with one of the accountancy firms on the island and I had to study for my accountancy. And that took up all my time. So mm. I kind of had to stop playing rugby and just focus on this for three years, basically. Right. Still gymming while I could. 
Um, but I, as part of my studies, I had to go to Wales um, for four weeks at a time to do the, do the course. And then you come back for four weeks and you go back for another four weeks to do the revision phase and then do the exam. Right. Um, so that took up a lot of my time. And that was like twice, three times a year. Okay. Yeah. Um, how, did you, uh, how did you find that then? Because obviously you've been playing sport for so long and again, drawing on that social aspect for you, um, you know, you've always done it with friends and things to kind of have that outlet kind of taken. Not, I obviously understand the reason why, but having that taken out, how did you go yeah. from that? I found that, I've actually found it really hard because I'd literally gone from playing so much sport and so much rugby and so much gym to having to cut it out like massively but say like 90 percent and having to move my focus onto my studies you know I, I felt like I was you know letting myself go almost you know I probably wasn't in a, as good a shape as I had been um you know at uni I was in pretty good shape I was fit and I was strong and then all of a sudden I've come back my whole life's been turned upside down now I've got to focus on completely something different yeah. and you feel like you're letting yourself go and that mentally that's quite hard because yeah. you've worked so hard to get in a good shape and then Everything gets everything changes. We speak to a lot of uh, athletes that that uh, use sport as a yeah that release. So when it's when it's taken away from them, uh, yeah. it's yeah it becomes difficult, doesn't it? Maybe even yeah. not realizing when you stop it and you kind of maybe become a bit more crabby or a bit more touchy because you're not getting the exercise that you need. Uh, so you're almost reliant on it. Yeah. Um, it's just part of your daily, you know your daily process you get up you go to the gym you play rugby and you train and then all of a sudden that's just completely changed yeah yeah so uh obviously the, the exam is finished I, I guess certainly looking at the timeline then you got back to the gym yeah so as i was coming towards the end of my studies i was thinking to myself wow i'm gonna have so much free time again and um, what do i want to do do i want to go back and play rugby do i want to maybe find something else because I, I for me personally i need to fill my time um, and then that's when I saw Sam Murphy, who you've had on the podcast, he put yeah. up a Facebook status saying um, he's going to start a weightlifting course. And that's something I'd never even considered. As, I mean, I've been to the gym and lifted weights, but I've never done weightlifting. So, you know, the snatch and the clean and jerk, what you see in the Olympics. And I kind of just on a whim, I just messaged him and said, yeah, sign me up. I'll have a go at that. Right. Um, and that was it was almost more so to support him as a friend you know he right. just to give him some money and you know help him on his journey and help him yeah. yeah right okay so those first first few days i guess at the gym doing specific work i guess around power lifting sorry you've that... just dropped out oh you there oh yeah, yeah you, you uh dropped out there mate all oh, right okay sorry uh yeah just said so was that then those first few times at the gym with with Sam then start to sort of ignite things in your mind of, you know, I can, I can carry a bit of weight here. Yeah. So what was really nice was to train in a gym with a purpose. Okay. Um, with, you know, with a training regime um, and, you know, Olympic weightlifting, it's all about technique, um, which I wasn't very good at, but I had the strength. So I'd be lifting the weights. I'd be lifting the weights fine, but completely the wrong way. Just relying on my strength aspect. Right. Um, and then that's when I think we were talking, um, as we do in the Olympic weightlifting, he'd mentioned powerlifting as well. And, and I, this sounded much more something for me because it was very much strength based rather than technique. Okay. What, what's the um, difference between the, the two there, the weight and the power? So weightlifting is a snatch and a clean and jerk. Um, the way I like to think of it, that's putting weight above your head. Whereas okay. powerlifting is, um, consists of a squat. Um, a bench press and a deadlift so it's lifting weight from the floor apart from the bench press i guess but you'll lift you're not putting anything above your head so to speak yeah okay it's where you see like um i think it's eddie eddie hall if i'm getting that right so where you see them like i've seen them lift it straight straight up and you kind of yeah so he's a he, he, yeah he does strongman um but as part, one of the main strongman events is a deadlift where you see with the massive yeah. tires either side yeah. like doing ridiculous weights crazy yeah. Yeah, your man from uh, Game of Thrones, is it? Is he just broke uh, the record? That's that's kind of, yeah, yeah, that's kind of powerlifting, that, that kind of concept. So he just deadlifted 501 kilos. Yeah. Um, and, and a deadlift is a powerlifting uh, exercise, like a, a movement. 
Yeah, right. Okay. So what stage during that then as you're sort of developing that, that skill that you think, oh, I, can, I can compete at this? So I think I was just, we were just training and he did a plan for me, a powerlifting plan and the numbers were going up. I was getting stronger. Um, and I'm very challenge orientated. I, I like to have a goal at the end of where I'm going. And we thought, well, maybe we should try and do a competition or some sort. So we did some local competitions up at uh, the CrossFit gym because that's where we used to train. Um, they weren't, you know, official competitions. We weren't lifting to competition standards, so to speak. But it was just good to get the powerlifting out there on the Isle of Man. Yeah. And yeah, we had people from all gyms on the island come and have a go, and it was really good. And then um, we, I kind of thought, you know, I need maybe need to do this a bit more seriously because I was actually lifting some big numbers. Kind of um, numbers would they be at that stage? So I was probably, I don't know the exact numbers, but I think it was probably around 220, 230K squat, uh, 160, 170 bench, and around 270-ish deadlift. Okay. Kilos. Yeah. So see. Um, enough, enough to be competitive, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got I was going to when you did that little meet there, did, were you towards the top, were you towards the higher end there, which made you think, yeah, I'm... I've got yeah, I was I, I was by far the biggest person in the competition, so I'm going to be lifting the biggest weights. But um, I think it may have raised a few eyebrows to think, you know, he's actually he's not all he's not all physical presence and no performance. He's actually yeah, got so you can actually back it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then we kind of just I was speaking to Smurf about it, and we kind of just looked around like what maybe could be the next stage, and then that's when we came across there's a there's I think there's three federations operating in the UK mm -hmm. and we came across the drug free federation um, and we liked the sound of it. Um, and we found out that the Isle of Man, they actually, they actually class the Isle of Man as part of the Northwest there, which was great because like, it means I could just nip across and do a competition I wanted to do. And that's how it kind of all started. Right. So that, so you obviously you went away to that Northwest. That, yeah. Uh, Excuse me, I've got here like 2015 time that was. Yeah. yeah. So then are you lifting in sort of your weight category? So they, they lump, you know, 130 to 140 kilo fellas in yeah, one group and women right. in one group. So I lifted in the 120 plus to 145 kilogram okay. category. Right. Um, and there actually is one category above me. So, yeah, just one thing picking up there when you were looking at different options is the drug free. Um, yeah. Wonder if we could talk a bit a little bit about that. So what why would why would it not be drug why, free? Yeah, why, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> why would organizations encourage drug not or should we say I I will let you explain. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say they encourage, but um there are different federations in the UK who have different views on drug testing in terms of the numbers and the drug the British Drug Free Powerlifting Association, the one I joined, um, they were set up because I've done my research, I, I Googled it before, um, because they weren't happy with the other federations in the UK and claiming how stringent they were on drug tests. Um, and it was set up in 19, the late 80s, early 90s, when um, performance-hunting drugs were rife. Mm. And there was no way that anyone could really prove whether or you were or weren't on drugs at any amateur level competitions, even though they claimed that you know they did loads of drug tests and they you know, in a really against drugs, there was no obvious, um, well, sorry, no evidence that they were actually against it in terms of really trying to crack down. So they were set, so the British Drug Free Powerlifting Association was set up to try and give people a bit of faith that the competitions they're lifting in actually are as drug free as they can be. And, and I guess those, those ones that are taking it saying, well, if you want to carry on taking it, come and sit in this category over here. Yeah, I mean, my understanding in this understanding is there's the, the BDFPA, which I was in, which is very anti-drugs, very open about it, very transparent. And then there's another federation, um, I've got its name now, but it's like it's like the middle ground. And they said they're very anti-drugs and they give up that message, but there's always been news articles about, you know, mm. people te being tested and being like way on in their competition lifespan and they're just full of it, it's unbelievable. And then there's another federation where they don't really do any drug tests and it's just full of absolute monsters. Oh. <laughs> absolute monsters. 
So what so, kind of, uh, not that we want to promote people taking drugs, what kind of things are people taking to, is it to bulk up then or, or help recover or a bit of both? It's not so much to bulk up, it's complete strength. They just want to take stuff that's just going to make them strong because in my sport, it's, it doesn't matter how you look, you're, you're judged on how strong you are. Yeah. So yeah, anything to boost muscle mass, boost, you know, I, I think I just said recovery because it, powerlifting really does take it out of you. Um, mm. it's very strenuous on the nervous system um yeah. so yeah anything just to get that advantage to get them back in the gym and training hard again that's the kind of things they take right so so that uh 2015 then in the northwest and you finished ended up finishing second uh, no i 2015 the northwest i won one sorry right qualified for the british champs which were in february 2016 in kingsland okay um so just I traveled over. The, sorry, sorry just go back to the northwest. Was that something you expected to win or was that a shock or I saw the numbers of the previous results of the previous years. I knew I could be competitive. Um fortunately for me, being so big, there aren't always that many people in your category. Right. Um, but I think I was up against three or four other people and I won that. So yeah, I mean it was great. And then I remember actually walking in to that first event and People asking where I was from, the Isle of Man, and the people running the event had never, they knew the Isle of Man was part of the Northwest, but they'd never yeah. met anyone from the Isle of Man competing, which was great. And they, they really loved it because they thought, you know, we're getting out there, we're getting more people involved. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you're like, a, you can then kind of be the poster boy for the, poster, for, yeah, yeah for, for spreading that. So, so you went to the English champs. Yeah, um, English champs down in Kings Lynn. Um, and I went, I, I usually traveled with my partner, but that one I went, I think I went alone. Um, and yeah, I, it was a very competitive event. Again, didn't have my best day on the platform, um, which is where you lift. Uh, just the out of sync is a long drive. You know, I came over on the boat the night, the day before, and had driving from Haitian to Kings Lynn. It's you know four or five hours. It's not great prep. And then you, and then I turned up and had the weigh in, um, and. I wasn't feeling great, but I thought, you know, I've got these numbers I need to hit, so I'll just try and do that. And I only hit my openers in each lift. So in each lift, you get three attempts. Um, and I only hit my openers on my squat and my bench and missed a little bit too. But then on my deadlift, I did okay, but that put me in second place overall. Right. And then the top two of each weight category got qualified for the Worlds. Okay. So... so so to jump before, just before we jump onto the worlds, then when you look at you talked at the start there about technique and Sam helping with that technique, not to go into massive detail for each different category, but so let's say the bench press. What kind of techniques that you know, as as a you know, a man on the street looks at it, it's put bar in your hand and lift it. But what what kind of techniques are there to that? So in a competition, you have to lift competition standards. So you have three judges watching you, and they all have to be happy that. Your lift is, you know, you're doing it safely, you're under control, and ultimately you're lifting the weight. So in the bench press, for example, um, you lift it off the rack, and you can't suddenly then just stop doing it. You have to wait until all the judges are happy that the bar is still, it's under control. So you're sat there while lying down with, you know, 180 kilos above your neck, yeah. and you can't start the weight until they say start, and they're happy that, that could be two, three, four seconds until they're happy. And no, that, that, that seems like a lifetime with that way yeah, above you. And then it has to come down to your chest. And the, the bar has to pause on your chest. It can't, you can't bounce it off your chest. Okay. Then you're getting momentum for the lift. Yeah. Um, the bar has to be not wobbling with the weights on the side because that's also momentum. So the bar comes down. So now you've got 180 kilos in your chest. And then it's waiting there. And then you have to wait for the judges to say press. And that means they're happy that the bar is stationary and it's under control. And then you can press it. So you've done the lift and you think, great, I've done it. But then you can't put it in the rack until they're happy that the bars come back up. Okay. You've gone full extension. It's under control. And then they'll say rack. And then you can put it back in. Wow. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, and how much of that, I mean, obviously a lot of it's strength, but is there a mind element to that as well? Uh, massively. I think you... You can't go into a gym and lift 180 kilos on the bench press if you're not fully focused on what you're doing. You can't just rely on strength. Um, because the more you thought about it, if you 
if I if I went onto the bench press and thought to myself, oh, I'm holding 180 kilos above my neck here, you'd I probably you know start to wobble and start to get a bit nervous and stuff. Yeah. So it's it's a lot. I think the mind plays a huge part of it. Yeah, and it it's always certainly when you see people doing it, it's I guess at least a two person job in regards to the person lifting the weight. There's always seems to be someone behind them as well as kind of that fall back if you know like you say you bring it down to your chest and you yes yeah, so you have a spotter spot right. um but they have to when you when they when the judge has start and they're happy that you're ready to go the spotter will actually move out the way so the judges have full view okay so you're actually got no one there right. and it's just you um and then once the lift is over and the judge says wrap then the spotter will come back in and then help you put it back up yeah, the way right. back okay okay and maybe just one of the other one of the other uh Talk through one of the other techniques or one of those other. Uh, uh, yeah, so that's the right word. Squats, another one. You know, that's another one where the judges have a lot to play. Um, so you'll walk in. This time you're allowed to you're allowed to take the weight out the rack on your shoulders and walk back, and you're allowed to. So you're allowed to do it by yourself without the spotters, without the judges saying anything. And then once you're stopped and you're stationary and you've got 250 kilos on your back and it's you're starting to sweat and you're starting to really feel the weight once the bar's completely stationary then that's when the judges will say uh squat yeah. so you can go down do your squat and the crease of your hip has to go below the highest point of your knee right okay show that you're actually hitting competition depth and then you come back up out of the squat you know this time like you're your blood pressure is through the roof. You're seeing stars. You're sweating. Your your face is like a tomato, and then you can't put the weight back until the judges say rack once again, and they're happy that you know you're under control. The bar's stationary, and there's no flex in the bar, and you know those those seconds feels like a lifetime. I, I get, I get, and we go back to the mind mind point. I we were chatting to Joe Reed yesterday, and he was talking about. When he's when he's running with these hamstring injuries that niggle, it's just this tightness of being able to kind of push your mind through that. Going, it's not gonna it's not gonna get worse, or you know, and 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 pushing the mind because the body wants to hold back because there's been an injury. But that must be the same in the regard. I think about that, you know, obviously not 280, but lifting 20 kilos, and I, you know, and through my mind, I'm thinking, is something gonna pop here? You know, am I hurt gonna hurt here? Am I my knee gonna pop out? Are these things again, psychological warfare that you continue to have during that? Yeah, but I'd say during the lift, you can't think that yeah. because if I thought, you know, my knee's going to blow here, I won't get that weight out the rack. You know, I'm, I'm 24, 25, but at this time when I was doing these competitions, I don't want to be limping around, you know, for the rest of my life. But as you say, afterwards, when I've done the weight and the competition's over, you know, I could be sitting on the couch. I'm thinking, I can't believe, you know, my body actually went through that. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing what your body will do. So, so say British champ, how, uh, again, what were your expectations going into that? Was that sort of realistic? Um, that was much more of an unknown because you don't really get an insight about who's turning up on that, on the day. Um, so I think mine and Smith's, uh, Sam's plan, I call him Smith, mine and Smith's plan, um, was just to go there, do what you can do and just see what happens. Let's not let's not put yeah. an ultimate goal on it. We want you to do well, but let's just see what happens. Right. And uh, came second overall in that one. Right, and that got you into the Europeans. Sorry, yeah, I think I said the worlds before, but it's actually yeah, qualify for the Europeans. Unfortunately, yeah. that was in the UK. Right. Um, so and this is all self-funded, obviously. Yeah, yeah, pay for it all. Um, you know, powerlifting is not a it's not a known sport on the Isle of Man mm -hmm. at the time. It's definitely more well known now. So. It was all self-funded, yeah, and you know, taking time off from work and paying for it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so sorry, so you were saying the Europeans. Yeah, then that was in Western Supermare, um, a lovely seaside town. Um, <laughs> makes uh, makes Blackpool as glamorous, I think. You were for that tourist board. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry to anyone who, if anyone's listening from Western Supermare. But, <laughs> um, and yeah, and you know, I came second in the British. Um, and I came second to a guy called, I think it's called Zoltan. I think his first name was, so pretty scary guy. <laughs> um, and then he actually didn't go to Europeans because he was injured. He had injured himself. 
Um, so I thought, well, I mean, I've got a chance here. I know I'm doing really well. And yeah, I won that. And I, I beat, and, but I didn't win just because he didn't take part. I actually beat his total from the British. Okay. So, total, right. so I think I actually would have won overall anyway. Right. And what yeah. type, so you in the British in February, when, when in the year was that European? It was April. So it was right. a really tight not, turnaround. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I imagine even though they're, whether they're, days or whether there's some qualifying within but the competition's a fairly short space of time but I guess there's a a good chunk of recovery after after events like that because they they're so torturous I assume yeah so um Smurf came over with me to the Europeans and he he came and watched it and then after that it'll be like we'll literally maybe take a week or a week and a half off right but we won't be off completely we'll almost like active recovery we'll still be in the gym we'll still be keeping the muscles moving but we won't do anything top end and then that's when I qualified for the Worlds um, which was held in November so then that first week back we made a plan five month plan six month plan for November and really focused in on that right so the uh the well yeah where where were the Worlds sorry remind me where the Worlds were they were in um, Lake Garda in Italy okay right so just to go back sorry to the European champs that was the question I wanted yep. to ask when you're when you're lifting are you representing a club the Alaman, the UK. Well, how does how does that structure work within powerlifting? So, they they. No. It's really funny actually because they didn't actually know where I should be representing. Mm-hmm. I was adamant I wanted to represent the Isle of Man, but they'd never had anyone um, yeah. do so. And I think when I went to um, the Europeans, I I was down as an an English lifter, and I went straight to the the judges. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not English. You know, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm. Yeah. You know, super. I am very patriotic, but I'm not. You know, crazy. But I was like, no, I want to lift here for the Isle of Man, and they were like, they just didn't know how to answer the question. They were a bit like, hmm, what? I don't know how to sort this out. Yeah. Um. So they, I actually lifted for Great Britain on the Europeans, but it was the same case at the Worlds. But I definitely put Isle of Man on that thing, and I actually changed it to Isle of Man at the Worlds, which was great. Right. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. And how was the Worlds? The Lake Garda. It was good. Um, Smurf came over. We flew over. Um, I think we f- the competition was on the Sunday, and we flew over on the Friday. Um, and then the Saturday, we just chilled out and tried not to eat loads of pizza because <laughs> I, 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 I had to keep my weight under 145 kilos for the competition. Mm. So the week of a competition, I'll really watch what I eat and be really um, careful on how much water I'm drinking as well because you know water will hold like hold weight on you. Yeah. Um, so I'll do a lot of, uh, I used to do a thing called water cycling where you'd, you'd drink loads the week before a competition, uh, two weeks before a competition and the week, I'm oh, sorry, the week of a competition, you drink loads. And then the day before you won't drink, but your body's still full of water. So you're still, you know, urinating yeah. loads and loads. And, you know, I dropped six, so I could drop six, seven kilos overnight pretty easy. Wow. Right. right. Um, so then, yeah, the, and the world's the world's great. It's a great experience. Really professional setup. Um, tough competition. It was basically me and this Italian guy going toe to toe for the whole comp. Right. Um, but I was determined that you know some guys probably just got in his car, drove down the road, but wasn't going to beat me. Yeah, yeah. Because right. uh, you know I, I travelled from the Isle of Man, so I thought, yeah, right, I'm going to really, I'm going to smash him here. Yeah. And um, it was the deadlift which set us apart. I think he deadlifted 270 in that competition. And I think I pulled 290. Right, right. Um, so, yeah. And they combine the weights to, to yeah. the total. Yeah, okay. So, you, they, they had your biggest squat bench and deadlift together. So, I think my total was 720. And I think the squat was 255. The bench was only 180. I didn't have a great bench day. My max competition bench is 195. Right. And then deadlift was 290. Um, Hopefully, 725, I think it was. Something like that. Hopefully, the maths are right. <laughs> And now you're world champion powerlifter. Yeah, drug free world powerlifter senior 145 kilogram category world champion. Yeah, very impressive. uh, And did they play the Manx National Anthem? No, they didn't. Nothing (laughs) like that. Um, They wouldn't have known what to play. It's probably a good thing they didn't because what they would have come out with, I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, But yeah, it was great. And that must have been amazing. It was good. I think me and Smurf, because obviously Smurf was there with me, it was, it was brilliant because you know, we, we kind of come from nothing. We kind of put powerlifting on the map for the Isle of Man in yeah. terms of 
I know I was in, I was in the paper at the back page and then you know people would actually start ask, asking a lot more questions about it yeah because um, a lot of people don't really know what it is or understand what it takes yeah 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 um, and have you yeah, after yeah. that you then seen you know more and more people on the island start turning up to you know the powerlifting meets or any competitions on the island definitely I think strength sports really took off I think if you know where to look there's a really big community on the Isle of Man of strength sports now and it's it's primarily due to Sam Murphy like he's single-handedly taken strength sports to another level here and mm. continues to do so um which is great for the Isle of Man because there's some really really strong guys here who are really really competitive um I know Olympic weightlifting wise has been comps where people have gone across and done really well and powerlifting as well it's great great to see so, so the, obviously this was the drug-free uh, federation in regard to testing etc is that is that very very regular so it's still we have to remember it's still at amateur level there's no funding whatsoever the only funding is people's like subs at the start of the year um but what they do they aim to test 25 percent of all members all lifters at every single competition right. which at amateur level is massive like any other sport you just don't get that yeah, yeah, and the only reason why they don't do more is because they just can't afford to. It's expensive yeah. to get a drug test done because they've got to send it away and get the results. And but all the drug tests are posted online. They're really transparent about it, and they're very hard line. If you get um, you get caught with a performance enhancing drug, that's it. Life ban straight away. There's there's very no, little around. No, you can't really appeal against it. They just said no straight away. Right. Okay. And then you end up in the other federation. Then you end up in the other, but then you end up with the monsters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. End up in the, in with the weak monsters. Uh, yeah. The uh, and are they uh, are they urine tests? They come and take with them, and then just call any day or time, or day or night. You have to tell them so where they, you are. So you have to put your address on. But fortunately, you know, you've been the yeah. Isle of Man, and no one's going to come knocking on my door. But they do in the UK. So I actually think they made sure that when I was at comps, I got tested. Um, I think, you know, out of those five or six comps I did overall um, in the UK, I think I was tested at four of them. Yeah, right. Um, Which I know if you've ever had a drug test, it's a a harrowing experience. Yeah. There's no no, no room for shame. You've just got to do it and (laughs) they've they've got to see everything. Right, yeah, try and explain why it's cold outside and stuff. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, was, it was cold actually that day. <laughs> so, uh, so after the world's obviously come back, did, did you then have a goal of carrying on powerlifting or, or did you kind of felt, because that seems to be a pretty short space of time, yeah. I, I, it seems to me anyway, from joining sort of competitive competitions to being world champ. Um, yeah, it was, it was really short. It was a bit of a whirlwind, to be honest. Um, and I don't know if that's normal or not, but because no one else has done it from the Isle of Man or really have any knowledge of it, it just kind of happened. We took it as it came. Yeah, right. Um, I actually finished the comp in Italy and I flew from Italy straight to South Africa for work. Right. And I took, I was in there, South Africa for a week and I kind of just relaxed, kind of gathered my thoughts about everything that happened. And during that week, I was just thinking about what, what's, what's next now. Um, you know, I'd, I'd achieved everything I thought possible. Like Smurf, I'd turned me into a powerlifter. You know, when I first walked in through the door, I couldn't, I couldn't squat 50 kilos on my back. Right. And wow. he took me right to the top to world champion. And then I feel like, where, where do I go again? Do I just do it again next year and try and hold the title? Or do I look to do something else? And I felt like I'd achieved everything I wanted to achieve in powerlifting. But I felt like I needed a new challenge. Right. Okay. And what was it, what formulated in your mind next? So I kind of went back to rugby because I thought, you know, I've done this solo isolation sport where it's all down to me. I, I enjoyed rugby. I enjoyed the team aspect. Let's go back and back, almost backwards in time and start again, Douglas. Yeah. And what, when you went back to that rugby, was the uh, had you seen much change in regard to that sort of maybe shift from? Um, not well yeah maybe more professionalism where where guys were were maybe less focused on the social side and more focused on performance yeah that's that's a really good point actually it was you know the the powerlifting was really serious and very professional like it was my life and then I kind of moved on to the rugby where it's a 
not more relaxed as such, but yeah. because it's a team sport, there's, I think there's less accountability. Right. Um, and you know, it was it was almost a nice break to kind of take a step back from the seriousness of it, but still do really well. Yeah. Um, so Jenna's my partner's dad. He's uh, Neil, who you've also had on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, Neil McGregor. He's massively Douglas through and through. And I just remember him. I was chatting to him, and he was talking about how Douglas are going for promotion this year. I think this was 2017, around February time, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm, I want to be a part of that." You know, I haven't haven't put a pair of rugby boots on for four or five years, but you know, I was all right back in the day. Let's let's see what happens. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, just got straight back into it. Yeah, really like, good group of guys down there. Um, just accepting me, you know. I used to play for Ramsey, which you know, Douglas and Ramsey they hate each other nearly as much as Douglas and Vagabonds hate each other. Um, <laughs> so yeah, just got straight back into it and did really well. And playing in the UK, going away, playing games, um, and yeah, good. It's, it's one of the more professional clubs in Ireland, I'd say. Um, so that, so it was more, more relaxed and powerlifting, but still had a professional element. And the uh, and from a weight aspect, I guess I guess powerlifting because you're in a category you kind of maybe always watching your weight. Is that something again, you, or something different where it's just the weight becomes less important? Your own weight, that is. Yeah, I mean, I was I was when I first joined, I was still like 145 kilos. I was far too big to be running around. Okay, um, right. that was a bit of a wake up call. Um, do you do much cardio for powerlifting? Then is there much cardio involved? I did absolutely none. I used to have a T-shirt that said "Say No to Cardio." All oh, right, okay. Um, I did absolutely nothing. You know, if I was training in the afternoon, much to my partner's dismay, I would be like, "No, I'm not even going for a walk in the morning because right. I want my muscles to be completely ready just to lift weights." Yeah, right. Um, but I think things have kind of moved in the last four or five years. I think there's a lot of uh, studies out there that say actually, you know, cardio is really beneficial if you're following a strength sport. Okay. Um, but my, I was just very. I think I was a bit stuck in my way. So, you know, the easy way out was just to say no. Just focus yeah, on the yeah, weight. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, back playing rugby, were, were you going to the gym at all then, or were you kind of just moved on? I was going to the gym, yeah, but I wasn't powerlifting training. I wasn't focusing on one rep max. I was more doing more reps and you know trying to tone up a little bit, okay. trying to get a bit of endurance in my muscles because they just. They weren't built for endurance after, you know, two, three years of powerlifting. They just weren't interested. Yeah, right, right. Um, so, yeah. So, I remember that first training session with Douglas was a wake-up call. Like, <laughs> I was absolutely blowing, like, dead, like, ruined. Yeah, right. Um, you were, uh, yeah. So, so did you, I've got so many other questions to ask. The, uh, I know you've done then, you start to pick up others, doing other sports in more recent times. Uh, biking. Yeah, so. So yeah, with the rugby we got promoted, and I played another another two seasons with Douglas, and then I had my son um, Bruno, who oh yeah, he's he's amazing. Um, but playing rugby was taking up too much of my time. I couldn't go away every weekend, and I was spent, I couldn't work all week, and then um, go away on a Saturday and not see him at all. Like you literally fly out on the red eye, come back on the eight o'clock flight at night, and on the Sunday you're in bits from the the match the day before the match so I couldn't even really play with him and stuff like that so I decided you know my last season I also tore my rotator cuff in my last season okay um I thought you know now my life's changed now I need to kind of focus on sports you know which kind of fit in with you know my new life yeah 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 right and then where did that take you so as you know Neil McGregor he's a four-time Ironman my partner Jenna, she used some two Ironman, so Ironman's a pretty of a Ironman and triathlon are a bit of a buzzword in uh, in this family. <laughs> and you know, I went to watch. Um, actually, if I roll back the time a little bit, in 2016, just before the Worlds, I actually went away to watch Jenna do an Ironman, and it's an incredible experience. I, I wholeheartedly anyone who, if you've got no interest in triathlon or sport or anything, go and watch, go and become an Iron fan. They call it. Right, and just right. watch an event. It's the most inspiring thing you'll ever see. It's people of all shapes and sizes, you know, dragging themselves for these crazy distances. Um, so that was always in the back of my mind. You know, that was, I loved to have a go at triathlon. I loved challenging myself. 
Yeah, right. And, you know, being six foot seven and 23, 24 stone at the time, you know, what's completely out there and crazy and completely different to anything I've ever done. Well, triathlon. Yeah, right. Pretty out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've just started swimming and cycling and running. And uh, do, you, do you think about what that thing is in you that wants you to do that, makes you do that? I don't know. I feel like a sports psychologist would have a field day with my, <laughs> with my brain because I like doing stuff that I shouldn't be able to do. Right. You know, the, the powerlifting, you know, I, I probably should be able to do that because I was big and I was strong. And... But because no one from the Isle of Man had done it before, I was like, right, that really pushed me and yeah. made me really determined. Um, but I, I'm not sure what it is. It's like I'm in a constant battle with myself. Like I want to push myself to the next limit. I really enjoy pushing myself. Right. Um, and it's not to impress anyone or to, you know, to achieve stuff that people could see it and things like that. They, I just want to prove to myself that. Yeah, yeah it's for me right yeah it's interesting the uh and those first times sort of in the in the in the water things like that say by your own admission you're a big you're a big lad how's that i've tried to learn to swim about seven months ago when it was hard enough uh but yeah you know had the had the basking shot watch down in the pool claiming <laughs> the fighting um you know swimming's not so bad i mean i've got massive hands and massive feet yeah, um, yeah. So I should be an okay swimmer. I can kind of hold myself in the water. I've been going to see Lee Holland. Okay. Do his nine B sessions. Another. Another guest. Uh, yeah, yeah, another yeah. guest. Yeah, I know. It's like a roll call, this isn't it? <laughs> um, and he's really helped me with my swimming. He's a great coach. Um, so swimming, you know, I can hold my own, but it's it's the bike and the running. You know, I'm not I'm not made to cycle up a hill at 21. I'm 20. I'm about 21 stone now. Right. Right. Yeah. So I'm still a pretty big guy. Certainly. Yeah. Certainly. Obviously. Both Matt and I have biking backgrounds, weights, such a massive part. And, you know, you strip a couple of kilos and it makes a difference to your performance. So when you're looking at, you know, carrying, not carrying an extra, but reality is you're, you're riding with people who are, you know, 40, yeah. 40 kilos lighter. It's, yeah. it's nice because I don't have to buy, I don't, I'm not interested in buying the next lightest yeah. part for a bike or anything because what's the matter to me? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you, I mean, is it, is it a desire to, 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 to ultimately help you because it's going to help surely help your body running a marathon at 20 21 stones going to going to cause damage you know training for that type of thing is going to it's going to be engine injury prevention constantly so is that you know stripping weight back important to you as part of that or is it just managing it and getting through it and, and almost doing it out of that weight to prove yourself and your own mind that i can do it at 21 stone i don't need to be 16 yeah i think i'm never going to be a small guy i'm never ever going to be you know a flyway so to speak i just it's kind of like in my head i want to do it because i mean i've got these all these lists and ambitions and i've done stuff in the past well I've done stuff very recently which you know i probably shouldn't be able to do at 21 stone and it's not to prove that you know i'm doing it at 21 stone it's to prove to myself that i can do it because mm. i've never thought i would be able to do it because i yeah. was still my powerlifting days you know i was very unfit in terms of the cardio aspect um, you know, my blood pressure is really high because it's just just a consequence of the sport. Yeah, yeah. Um, so now I'm just like, what's my next? What what can I challenge myself now? Okay, well let's go and do a half marathon. That's not someone someone at 21 stone. You don't see many 21 stone people doing marathons. Yeah, not half marathon. So I thought sub two hours. Sub two hours I've done. Yeah, which I was really really pleased about. Yeah. Um, you know, so I mean, I've got goals in the future which I want to do. I want to do a proper marathon. I want to do an Ironman. Right. Um, I want to do the parish walk, which I think would be the hardest out of all of those. If right. you've watched the parish walk, it's just crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I think um, no one knows ones. That that's probably the one that springs out. It's it's a mind, you know. It's a, that's such a mind game. A lot of that's a mind game. Real mental. Seem to have, yeah, which you you know seem to seem to understand what that is. Uh, yeah. For, for your own motivations previously. Yeah. So yeah. So again, do you, again do you outside of the sport environment looking after yourself do you are you conscious of i wouldn't say what you eat but having good habits and and ensuring the other aspects are are there as part of your life yeah i'm very i like to look after myself um you know if i'm going to do these challenges and set myself these goals i probably should help myself achieve them yeah so whether that's eating well or 
you know, recovery on the foam roller and things like that. I'm no a big advocate of stuff like that. Right. Um, but it's just much harder now with a, being a dad and another one on the way. Um, oh, right. okay. Things are going to get a bit more busy. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I do try and look after myself. And you still presume an accountant by trade now? Yeah, so I work at my firm now. Um, mm. a, a commercial accountant, so, yeah, I'm pretty busy with work as well. Right, okay. Um, but, yeah. And uh, I suppose just going back then, looking at that whole whole, we touched on that at the start that you know your parents weren't sporty. That that behaviourist and that desire to push yourself is that just something that's there that you you know? Yeah, I I honestly have no idea where it's come from, but and I don't know if it's healthy or not. Um, but I will. It's just it's just something that's present in my brain that I will want to push myself. Because oh. I don't see that in any of my family members right. as, at all. Um, they may hate me saying that. They may be listening back. Um, but, yeah, it's just something that is just present in me that I will push myself with, to limits of my body. Um, and I enjoy it. Yeah. I really do enjoy it. It's like a satisfaction thing as well. And, and just going to the – jumping around a bit. Um, on the training side for all these – uh, distance events that you're, you're looking at doing. I know where you said you kind of stopped because of child number one and Jenna and that sort of thing. Have you found that transitioning? Because as you know, with, with these the swimmers like run, you've got to put a lot of time in in normal circumstances sort of thing. So how have you kind of found going from, and I'm not saying I don't, I don't know specifically what you were doing on rugby and all that sort of stuff, but in that sort of long distance world, how have you, have you found, found that and managed that? Um, so I actually entered Ironman UK this year. Not many people know that. I've not told anyone apart from my partners, uh, Jenna and her family, they know. And she'd given me the go-ahead to kind of, I need to, she understands Ironman. She understands like the training required. Ironman's not something you can just rock up and do. Yeah. And, you know, I was... And, so she kind of gave, gave me the blessing that, you know, if I need to go out for six hours on the bike and not help with the childcare, she kind of, she said, yeah, which is kind of like, she's amazing. She really, really helped me um, do that. So in terms of like getting out there, I hope I'm answering the question right here. Yeah. Like I found it, I found it liberating being able to go out on the bike and stuff and spend time, but I don't think without Jenna, I wouldn't be allowed to do it. Um, yeah. yeah, it's interesting as well. Just before we came on, you were talking about uh, issues with turbo trainers and uh, getting bikes that, got and put it in crude terms, will break underneath you because of this, because of the size of you uh, and challenge yeah. that. Yeah. So as I was saying, mentioned beforehand, yeah, I got a new bike um, arrived. You know, said I was in under the weight limit. Actually, surprisingly, just um, and then the first ride, I went out with a couple of mates and. The, the wheels just buckled completely underneath me, which was like right. handy. Yeah, so yeah. I needed a, a wheel set built up. Um, touring wheels, they are. So they oh, right. okay. yeah. have panniers on and everything. And, and it's the same with like shoes as well. When I'm buying trainers to go running, I can't buy any of the latest lightweight, super flashy, brand new things. I've got to buy ones which are made for support. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, just yeah. to keep me going. Do you find you get many niggles and things just, again, I think about knee injuries and stuff that ultimately are going to take, I suppose, less so on the bike, but certainly on the running. There's a, there's a lot of impact there. Yeah, I definitely feel the strains, but I think I'm almost naive to them because I played rugby and powerlifting. I think my body's almost not used to it, but I kind of don't realise that maybe I'm doing some sort of damage or yeah, yeah. I kind of don't, um, I kind of just get on with it. But I yeah. think that's a determination as well. Yeah, like yeah, I, I will still train through an injury, which I know you shouldn't do, and it's awful. But I couldn't. The, and Jenna knows all about this. If I'm injured, I'm in the biggest mood ever. So I'll kind of, I'll st I will still push myself if I am feeling a bit of a niggle. Yeah, yeah. Which I don't think. Not so much your body being used to it, like you say, that's a mind thing as well. That, that ability to, uh, to to deal with it within your mind. One question uh, that's sort of popped into my thought is around. Obviously, you have a motivated guy and, and do things uh, that motivate you, but 
I think listeners, I hope listeners, and I, you know, I was only thinking about this a few days ago. I have days where I'm unmotivated and uh, it's often your own job to motivate yourself. You can listen to people and talk to people and motivate yourself, but I'm assuming you have unmotivated days. How do you deal with them? Great question. I think Guy Wolfsoncroft, another podcast member of yours, I think he said, was it the hardest piece of gym equipment is the front door? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And, you know, I heard that before, before I heard the podcast. I I knew that quote. And it is very difficult to motivate yourself sometimes just to get up and at them. Um, And the way I I feel like I need to say something really elaborate, like have some, you know, master psychological process, which really helps me. But I think it's just grit. I will literally drag myself out the door if I have to. Yeah. Even on days where the last thing I want to do is go and do a 10 mile training run, I'll be like, I, I set very high standards for myself. If I, if I didn't go out and do that run, I'd be in the worst mood all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be psychologically, I wouldn't be in a good place. Um, I told myself like I'm addicted to exercise almost or addicted to that feeling of pushing myself. Yeah, yeah, or getting yeah. it done yeah um you know it's not the most dignified of answers it's just i think i just no, no, rip my teeth and just get it done i think that's important i think you can often listen to again motivational people and it's it can be all sort of glossed up but if that's that's what it takes to to get out one of the things i've noticed recently and it was it must have been chatting because again this is why i love doing these podcasts chatting to someone but they talked about how you know those days where you feel really unmotivated and and you talk there about if you don't do it, what what will it what will I actually feel like? Well, in three hours, I'll be really peed off with myself because I won't have exercised or sat on the couch and, and not been productive. And I, I, something a technique I've been using recently, which is to when I when I don't want to do it, is to think how do I th- how do I feel when I've done it? Well, I always feel better. No one's ever done it. Somebody said this. They've never done exercise and felt worse after it. Yeah, it's crap going through it. Yeah, you feel rubbish if you've done a hard session, but after it, the endorphins are going and you feel great. To try and get those memories in your in your head, so when when it when you have to push and it's cold outside or you're tired, yeah, okay, it is crap. But on the other side of it, it's, it you feel awesome and you, you do. Everyone does after they've had exercise. Uh, even Christian, I suspect, will be saying that at some stage when he finishes his tenth marathon today. Oh, um, mental. And that, that that's the drive I think that 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 I I try and use now more. So endorphins are incredible, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are really, really good. I think yeah. if you if you set the goal to yourself, you say, right, I don't feel like training today. I mean, this doesn't personally work for me, but I what, what I've heard people say is, like, I'll just go out and run for five minutes. Because they find out one in that five minutes, they'll be like, well, I'm out here now. I'll do another five minutes. Yeah, yeah. And it just keeps on going from then before you know it, you've done what you need to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just build, building those good little habits. And do you have similar, I suppose, motivation-wise, but, but negative-wise, will you have times when, again, you have maybe self-doubt or negative feelings. And that's not because I'm trying to draw them out, but again, I, I always think it's good for people to realise. Uh, yeah, I, but, I do have a lot of they, negative, especially to what I, I think Strava is probably the main culprit <laughs> of this. You know, I, I, it's almost like I need a reality check sometimes. Like I'll be looking at people's times, you know, examining, you know, they were that fast up the hill on the bike. Why wasn't I that fast? Yeah. Or, you know, he ran five miles in that time. Why, why didn't I do that? And yeah you can kind of spiral out of control a little bit, but then I need to, re- and then I have to tell myself, listen, you're, you're 21 stone, you know, three years ago, you couldn't, you couldn't run a mile. Yeah, yeah. Look how far you've come. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, that appetite to want to do better, I don't necessarily think that's too much of a bad thing hmm. because I think competitive people will always have that. Yeah. I think, yeah. and, the, and the re- part of the reason I ask is really for exactly you mentioned there because Again, when we were chatting to Joe, he talked about these small incremental gains and where he's got to in, in his career. When you chat for an hour, even like now, we chat for an hour and it feels like you've gone from here to here really quickly. So people who listen go, well, I can't do that. It's, you know, but they're, they're small things that happen every day, every day that build up. And these people don't, it's not all on the uphill. There are negatives within there. There are troubles, there are injuries that put you back down. It's important. That's why I asked the last two questions about unmotivated days and negative thoughts rally people who've been top of their sport and you've been the best in the world at your sport you have these days and they're fine it's just dealing with them box them off bring some positivity back and step forward again yeah Yeah, definitely i mean no journey is ever going to be straightforward and smooth and easy because i think if it was 
I think either <laughs> everyone would be doing it or no yeah. one would do it because yeah. who want, I like, for me personally, I like to be challenged and you know, those negative days probably do form part of the challenge, which keep you going. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, if you feel like you, is it that self-achievement, isn't it? If you feel like, oh, I don't want to go out on Wednesday, I don't want to do anything. If you do it, you feel great. That's part of that challenge. That's part of that journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, no, you couldn't have said it. I bet, absolutely. Uh, I don't know whether you have anything else, Matt. No? I, like I say, thanks for coming on. I think, like I said at the outset, fascinating story and certainly yeah. how you've transitioned now and, and setting challenges where, Again, I'd like to think people who've, you know, are con- you know, conscious and perhaps they're they don't want to be seen out running because they're they're bigger people and people if they think people are judging them and people are commenting on them. Ultimately, who cares? But you're an example of just go and do it. What's important is what what you want, the challenges you set yourself, and those Absolutely. goals to, to self self improve, keep healthy, keep well being because they're they're just as important parts of of life than 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 any because if, you, if you're in good space there then your personal life and everything is in a far you know and your family like like your wife says get out and exercise because you'll be cranky it's, yeah 100 you know, creating creating good habits uh, yeah so no i appreciate your time and uh no, thank you for having the me. training obviously yeah, you've got thank a, you. a bit of downtime at the moment with the uh, corona to not compete but yeah still train and do things uh, i've been deferred to next year i'm on 2021 right. automatically so i mean it, it's, it's always a bit of a lesson <laughs> you know so i'm gonna see how i feel and how the training going up a new baby here in august but you know that's 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 the ultimate goal i've set myself that challenge that in my life i'm gonna do an ironman yeah. right yeah no it's, so, it's, it's wonderful and it's, again it's a great again one of the episodes we chatted to Lindsay elliott about her her transition through through try and balancing that with family life and again and we're all busy the reality is life we're all busy but if, if you've got goals and focuses and then you can find that right balance there isn't isn't an excuse not to exercise even if it's just some people need the challenge perhaps yourself i'm probably a bit like yeah. that as well others don't necessarily need the challenge just need that 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 routine etc so uh, yeah i'm sure you'll sure you'll inspire some people uh, hopefully yeah i'm sure so so thanks for your time yeah, thank, thank you. you cheers do you want to check us out maddie yeah uh so wherever you're listening or watching today please like subscribe share and leave those five star reviews pretty please social media on facebook with the m word podcast twitter max sports pod and on instagram we are the m word iom cheers maddie thanks everyone you sexy people and thanks for letting us in your not you matt the rest of them uh thanks for letting us in your in your ears it's word out from mom word out from matt